Welcome to the podcast. This is a weekly podcast by Denver Transplants. I'm Matt. And I'm Andrew. And this is You Aren't From Here. Howdy. Hey. Uh, <laughs> pretty big weekend for us. Yeah. Chiefs have had a hell of a hell of a little uh, streak here, and we're uh, going to the, the big show. Yeah, I mean, everybody kind of has to pay attention to our Chiefs in like two weeks. That's true. Whether I mean, you want to or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I mean, everybody wants to hear about Chiefs. We know. So we're going to talk about them, and we'll talk about them extensively if we can take down Tom Brady. That's Oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, in, in a couple weeks we'll uh, give a little give a little shout out and love to the the repeat Super Bowl champs. Hopefully at that time. So, but until then, we have to sit in anticipation for two weeks until we get to see that awesome game. I'm freaking pumped. Yeah, but and then you know, middle of COVID, COVID's still moving along. I saw yesterday that uh, the um, not Coors Field. What is the basketball stadium a pepsi center the pepsi center will be starting like a thousand person basically vaccine is what they think they think they can almost do a thousand people a day of giving vaccines really yeah good well and so i i read like all the the variant stuff like there's a bunch of like new strains and stuff right in like the uk and uh all over the place and apparently south africa too apparently uh, the big news is that the Moderna vaccine apparently gives you antibodies that fights those variants as well. And if I read this correctly, Colorado's infrastructure cannot hold or cannot can, cannot properly store sufficient Pfizer vaccines because you have to store them at such a cold temperature mm-hmm. that Colorado, my understanding is that we're getting al- almost 100% Moderna vaccines and we're not messing with the, the Pfizer or other stuff. Is what I've heard. So there's good news for Colorado residents that if that's true and Moderna is our vaccine of choice, that also gives you antibodies for the variants that are coming and that are being seen now and not just the OG yeah. COVID. I would I, I read a couple articles on that and it said that it covers they believe it covers, but they're actually gonna create a boosted version of the vaccine to ensure it does. There you go. Um, and I did mess up, it is at Coors Field. UC Health vaccinated about a thousand people at Coors Health, which is pretty amazing. And they're going to keep doing that. Yeah, I mean that's my understanding. If they did it before, I'd imagine they keep doing it. So. Yeah, yeah. But, um, cool. Yeah. Well, good because you always hear about how it's being butchered right now. Like I don't know, there's not enough people getting it and all that stuff. So I'm hoping, you know, I think it's being left to the states, and so I'm hoping Colorado. It sounds like Colorado's getting their stuff together. So yeah. that's good news. But. Anyways, we digress. That was kind of our, you know, just we have to talk about COVID at least a little bit. So, um, so let's go ahead and kick it off. So what, what did we learn this week? Yeah. Um, you know, this isn't something that's like revolutionary, but uh, saw in the news and talked to my roommate, Tyler Stanley, about it, um, which was a pretty big deal. Red Rocks Amphitheater is basically releasing. Where? Never heard of, never heard of that place. <laughs> out in Morrison, Colorado. Oh, one okay. of the Best concert venues, I think, in the world. Um, They are beginning to reschedule all of their concerts. So huge. And the first one being Ganja White Night on April 17th, 2021. Um, Most of, if you didn't know, last year, last summer, there was a lot of, like, obviously, normal summer. All these concerts were planned. And what they did was they pretty much all got canceled. And instead of canceling the concert, they basically pushed it back. Right. Right. Um, So... 
All the concerts that were planned in 2021 or 2020 will be happening in 2021, pending anything with COVID. Okay. Um, and what I did actually learn that I've heard around rumored, haven't read this truly, but supposedly when you get as a band, when you get a day at Red Rocks, you basically get to keep that day every year until you don't want to come back. So say like Matt Spangler and band wants to play, is going to play July 3rd. You get July 3rd every year until you're basically like, I'm done touring at Red Rocks. Huh. That's, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I guess like all these big names, I guess my question would be like, why wouldn't you have the big names keep coming back? But the big name artists, like if you had like Bieber out there or some other like, you know, huge concert, they probably have so many other shows that they're probably choosing not to come back on that same date, knowing that they could definitely get a spot at a different time. Because if that's true, and let's say like July 3rd is the day that you went and that was a Saturday, well, next year that could be a Tuesday. Yeah. And it's like, well, why would I, I don't want to play on a Tuesday. Like, so it, it's kind of interesting. That's what uh, it is. I mean, I think I'm not sure if it's down to the exact date and I'm not really sure. Cause the Abbott brothers are playing July 9th, 10th and 11th. And I believe that has been the same kind of time zone that they've done every year. So we hmm. need to fully vet that one, but that is something I've heard rumored. We need to fully vet that out. But what did you learn this week? Red Rocks is planning for 2021, mm-hmm. pending any COVID regulations. That's so huge. That's yeah. so huge. Well, dude, and like for me, like I having moved out here during COVID, like I still have never been to Red Rocks, and like it's just like it's always been on my to do list. And like when I would come and visit Carly and her family for Christmas, it was like we were doing so many family Christmas stuff that mm-hmm. it was like we just never got the chance to get out there. So when I moved here, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Red Rocks. And of course, it's like middle of COVID. So like, even with that, me, like if they're opening up concerts, that means that they're opening up other things too, where you can go and like see it, run well, the stairs, potentially like it, progress is being made. I believe you can still do that now. I think you can go see can it you? right okay. now. I think you can still like trails are still open. You can still go like hike the stairs and stuff. But like you are wanting to experience, I would say there's yeah, nothing sh- like oh, a no, Red Rocks show. Yeah. show in the summer. Yeah. And like, it's great because it's Colorado. And if you go on a Friday night, say it's like 4th of July, it's a warm day. But when you get up into the mountains, sun goes down, it cools off. Yep. You almost, you, you basically need to take a light jacket. Um, Which is so crazy to me. As for coming from Texas, where it's like, if it's 104 during the day, it goes down to 100 at night and just mm. never cools down. So, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm and gonna... I would add, if you do go to Red Rocks um, and say one of your friends is like, hey, you want to go see Death Metal? Just go. If you've never been, just go. Go to any concert. I've been to some really weird concerts. If you've never been and you have the opportunity and you have a group of friends that are going, you don't like the music, just go to see the venue and experience the venue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe not heavy metal, but like if you're like not a big EDM person, but like kind of an EDM person. Like Enough to appreciate it. Just, yeah, it's the venue is the focal point, not the music per se. In exactly. certain instances. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, that's good. I mean, if nothing more, like we talked about with the zone in Denver going from red to orange, if nothing less, it's progress, right? So, And it comes down to, they've been saying it basically comes down to, on their website, it comes down to the regulations of that city. So I believe it's Morrison's Morrison's laws, what they will abide by. Um, So not to wish that Morrison is lax on the laws, but I kind of hope they are a little bit. I mean, yeah. (laughs) 
Selfishly, selfishly, probably shouldn't say it, but I will. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, that's good news. Yeah. So, Matt, uh, that's what did we learn? Uh, what do we try this week? Dude, I'm pumped about this one. So, um, I we tried illegal Pete's. Yeah. Now, I didn't know illegal Pete's was even a thing till a week and a half ago. And Which I'm, is and I'm not exaggerating. Nuts. I'm not exaggerating. No one's told me. I didn't even know. Like, there's so many places to eat, yeah. and like, especially with Denver being known as like, I would consider it like the fast casual burrito capital of the world, right? Chipotle started here. Qdoba is based out of here. And like, it just, this kind of falls into line with your Chipotles and your Qdobas. Uh, very different in certain aspects, which we'll talk about in a second, but it's it's in line. And so it's like, I, I just never even knew that was a thing. Yeah. And I can't remember if you're the one that told me or if uh, one of my buddies, Jared, told me when he was going. But um, regardless- well, and- to- to lay it out there, the interesting part about Chipotle is Chipotle actually started down on like DU's campus. Right. Um, you could still go to the original Chipotle. It's yeah. a little like tiny. Been there. Yeah. It's really small. Um, and the weird part is, is it was founded here, but the headquarters is now in California, California right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for a little fun facts for you guys, for from real estate knowledge, the Optive Building, eleven forty four Fifteenth Street, um, state or Chipotle had actually signed a lease for five floors which is like 120,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. And right when they went to go hire the CEO, the CEO goes basically, I'm not moving to Denver. If you want me to be your CEO, you can move everybody to California. They did that exactly. Wrapped up, moved to California. Wow. Subleased all their space and they're still working on it. Huh. So pretty interesting. Fun fact. If you I mean, he's got to be a great building. CEO to move a whole company out for yeah. him. But... Supposedly it was Taco Bell CEO. Old Tuck, or like or involved with the Taco Bell, world. like Yum Brands yeah. kind of thing. Okay, interesting. So. Anyways, we digress. So that's yeah. There you go. So the illegal Pete's experience. So the food will start there. Very on par with Chipotle in the yeah. sense that when if you, you they have a burrito option, they have a bowl option, and it is like the buffet style. Go down. You start with your you know meats. And start with like rice and veggies and work your way to like the sauces, right? So very similar in that aspect. I will say they do have like some Mexicali options as well, like taquitos and other mm-hmm. offerings outside of just like Chipotle. They, and like they have salads as well. And it's like, so they have everything that Chipotle would have, but they also have some uh, other additional options like taquitos and things that you can get. Um, when I went, I've been once, it was the burrito and I will say it definitely has a different flavor, but it, it's almost weirdly similar like to Chipotle. Like they have a sauce that's like their triple X sauce. Mm-hmm. And it literally looks like down to the color and very similar flavor like the hot at Chipotle. Yeah. Like it's that red with the seeds in mm-hmm. it. Like it's just like it was it, you, Chipotle has a certain flavor. Uh, Illegal Pete's has a certain flavor. And I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I would say food-wise, it is very comparable, if not slightly, I might say it's slightly better than Chipotle. In yeah. My mind. I mean, I think the difference is that we've eaten Chipotle for since we were like True. eight years old. So you True. don't really know. Like a different taste is always sometimes better. You know, like somebody's always chasing like different flavors. But dude, Qdoba, I think is trash. Really? Absolute trash. And I think I think it's because... 
certain places like Qdoba, which ha- would have queso, uh-huh. they can hide crappier ingredients because you just coat everything in queso and you can get away with it. True. And like places like Illegal Pete's and Chipotle, you can tell the quality versus not quality. And so I would say like, in my mind, if you love Qdoba, I'm sorry, I don't not to mean to be insulting to you, but like I would group like Qdoba and Freebirds. Like I'm not big fans of this. Yeah. Like I'll eat them. But Chipotle is on a whole nother level and illegal pizza is right up there, if not a little past it, I think. Because it's good quality ingredients in my mind. Like no chewy steak, no chewy meats. Um, all the ingredients were super fresh and they actually mixed it. Whereas at Chipotle, you have to ask them. Because usually my Chipotle burrito has rice on one side, meat on the other. They're up there mixing it to where it was like a it was a, it was all mixed in together. Yeah. I would say the uh, one some other interesting things that Matt didn't bring up that's different than Chipotle. They have two different kinds of vegetables you can get instead of just a fajita vegetable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can add like green chili for an extra. Um, some of the sides that are things put on top of it, they have jalapenos, which I like pickled jalapenos a lot. Oh, me too. Uh, you can have black olives, which I think is kind of interesting. And I think one of the biggest game changers of Legal Pete's is that when you get a burrito bowl, you can choose yeah, between or the, having an extra chips yep. or an extra tortilla. And, and it comes free. with it. Yep. Yeah. Dude, that's 100%. That, great point. I noticed that too. Um, I think I think those, like, I mean, most people that I know are a lot of people love to get the burrito bowl Chipotle and you get a side chips. Right. Yeah. For extra. Yeah. that's Well, that's because that's my go-to. That's like my Chipotle order is a burrito bowl with chips on the side. And so another thing to sweat that when, you know, just thinking about it, looking at it. So even outside of just the styles, they do have um, a beer battered fish option. I didn't try it, but they have like carnitas, chicken, beef, steak. They have all your typical Chipotle stuff. But another thing that makes them a little different is you can get beer battered fish as a filling um, as well. So that may, I, I do love that. So I'm going to have to give that a shot, but yeah. And then last one that's, I think is really weird is instead of rice, you can pay extra and you can get potatoes. I did see that. Yeah. I didn't know you had to pay extra though. I, I was almost going to ask her to throw it on there. I didn't ask cause I saw it and I was like, huh? I believe it's extra like dollar fifty or $2, right. but pretty interesting addition like potatoes. Yeah. And it's like the, it's like a, the square potatoes. It's like yeah. a little brick potato, like a breakfast I think that, I mean, I think I'd probably fall asleep immediately after done with that burrito. Need a cigarette after that, but, um, sorry about like Gary's running around in the background. Yeah. In case you hear any noises. Yeah. My dog's just having himself a day. Um, (laughs) so that, that's the food. And and I will say my rating on illegal, illegal peds, you know, their food is definitely a consideration, right? But the biggest competitive advantage and my favorite thing about illegal peds is the drinks. Yeah. Now they have a full bar and we went to the one on Colfax. Um, So I I can only speak really to the one on Colfax. There are, you know, multiple locations here as well as they have locations in Arizona, but uh, the one on Colfax full bar um, and, and we just went with their margaritas, right? They have other drink options, but if you go, they are known for their margaritas and how strong, their margaritas are. So we got the house margarita. They have another one that's, I think you pay 50 cents more and it's like better tequila, but it's actually less tequila. So we just went with the cheaper, higher, bigger bang for your buck. It's a $6 margarita. It was on the rocks, salt on the rim, classic margarita style, but they, the way they do it 
is, I, and I'm not exaggerating, it's a standard 12-ounce glass. It is 90% tequila to start. And then they they backfill with a uh, margarita mix, which is mostly margarita mix with a little bit of orange juice in it as well. So it kind of mixes it up there. But for I thought it was going to taste like straight tequila. I really enjoyed them. And for six bucks to have a ninety mm-hmm. percent filled tequila, I mean, I'm like, that's insane. I would say I think they do put some triple sec in it. I don't think it's all tequila. I think they combine triple sec. And they do. They tequila do. up to ninety percent. But I agree. Yeah, it is and triple I, sec too. Yeah. I would say that, like this is what I wanted at Rio. Uh, what was it? Yeah, Rio Grande or Rio Grande. Rio, Rio de, Grande. Rio Grande. Whatever it was. Rio the first Grande. episode. This is what you want in a margarita. hundred percent. Don't give me a dollar off bullshit on happy hour. No, I'm not. I'm still not over it. And I no, don't it's even, like episode one. Yeah. And I would say like, I have been to multiple Leo Pete's. I've been to the one over on 38th. I've been to the one on Colfax and every single one has that strong of a margarita. Yeah. And the greatest part about it right now is you can get it to go. So yeah. last, oh, uh, so when I went separately from Matt, I went on Saturday and we got, a separate why we got them to go and take mm-hmm. them home and they're just as good yeah i mean they're amazing i mean i think every single i haven't been to a ton of them but i'm pretty sure they all have a full bar like that and they all serve strong margaritas well and for dude at full price for six bucks like we were just talking about this like we went there's another mexican restaurant on colfax and i'm not gonna uh bring it up just because i'm gonna kind of talk shit about it a little bit but they had uh margaritas to go they were a quarter of the strength and they were $14. And I was like, are, like, don't get me wrong. Like if you're out on a date and like, I'm okay paying that. But like, dude, like you want to talk about bang for your buck. I, I would argue that I haven't found a stronger, higher quality margarita in the city than Illegal Pete's for six bucks. I've had a better margarita, but it's been not six bucks. It's been double, if not two and a half times. I think I would almost go as far and don't be insulted to say that this is the strongest margarita I've probably paid for. Yeah. Like out of any, like Tex-Mex restaurants, everything I've done in Texas. The only thing I think that competes with it is if anybody's ever been to Mi Casina, they have a yeah, Mamba the Taxi. Mamba Taxis, but. If you've ever been there, you know what we're talking about. Otherwise, we're not talk about too much. But it's definitely, I mean, it's amazing. So I mean, if you're trying to get a little buzz on and you're trying to get on a Friday night, get a burrito, yep. get it to go margarita. Yep. Get the night started. Yeah. So all that to say, um, we loved it so much. We're going to be working to, uh, you know, little little uh, preview. We are going to be interviewing the illegal Pete himself. Um, hopefully in the weeks to come, we'll be expecting that. If all goes to plan, uh, we really just enjoyed the restaurant that much that we really were like, you know, we've got to interview this yeah. guy. So, And I would add, I don't know, we will confirm when we talk to him if we get that opportunity. Um, they used to have happy hour. I'm not sure if they took it away just due to COVID and yeah. trying to make money, but when they had happy hour, it was daily from three to 8 PM and all day Sunday, your margaritas are only $4. Yeah. Your wells three are $3. To PM. Yeah. And free chips and salsa at the bar. The Honestly, trip. like it, it, I can't believe I just found out about this. Like what? I, I just love that. Like uh-huh. what, what, like what? place gives you like the the dollar off happy hours it's like you really want to stand out and i know you're not making as much money but like you really want to stand out do it bomb happy hour 
and extend it to 8 p.m. Because most of them, dude, I've seen happy hours end at 5.30. And yeah. I'm like, that's such crap. And on a weekday, that's daily. On Fridays as well. You go to, you go at 6 p.m., crush some $4 margaritas on a Friday night. Like, yeah. I, or all Sunday when you're watching the Chiefs. I freaking do. I love this place. It, it, this. Um, so what's your rating? That's what oh, it, man. I... I'm going to go, man, it's just like, it's hard because it's just, it's not, um, I'm going to go eight, nine. Wow. And I was really close to nine, one. I, I love it. I love it. I don't like, like the, the, the overall atmosphere, like if you looked at just food, it's very comparable to Chipotle. Yeah. But that's not illegal Pete's competitive advantage. Their competitive advantage is the cheap drinks and the total overall value that you get at illegal Pete's. If you're sitting there drinking for prolonged periods of time, happy hour to late PM. I mean, the the quality of ingredients is not giving it an eight, nine. It's the overall restaurant in my appreciation for like, Hey, they clearly like want to stick out and give a lot of value to their customers, which I love. So eight, nine for me. Gotcha. I'm uh, going to one-up you, and I'm going to go 9.0. Oh! <laughs> the, okay. reason, the reasoning is, I would agree. I think if I set it on the burritos, and it was just burritos, and that's all they had was typical Chipotle, I would honestly probably give it a 7.0. Yeah. But because you add the value margaritas, I completely agree it's a 9. And I'm like somebody that's always for value yep. over even almost quantity over quality half the time for me. So quantity and alcohol over the quality of food. I'm going to take it. Oh, 100%. Give me a nine. 100%. And, and what that means is uh, if you've never been, you need to go. You need to get a Marg and maybe two or three and have yourself a night. Yeah. I I had four margaritas when I went with my buddy. So don't we're, – we're not encouraging you to overdo it. Um, but I was just having myself a hell of a Friday and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to get after it. So four margaritas later, Ubered home and – and Matt it had was a really fun Saturday morning. Oh yeah, it was a great Saturday morning. So, um, so yeah, so that you know nine nine point oh eight point nine. That means get your butt to illegal Pete's stat. Okay, so so that is illegal Pete's. Now the next segment we usually do is where did we go? Yep. However, for the main part of our episode, we wanted to. Um, talk a little bit more about Union Station, more specifically around uh, the $500 million and $54 million renovation associated with Union Station and the terminal itself. So that is going to count for the where did you go or where did we go this week. Um, so that'll be coming up here shortly. But one of my favorite segments we've got to get to before we go. So we talked about it last week. We, we, we took a little break from the breweries and beer of the week's. Um, but this year or this, this week we are starting a completely new brewery. So sweat, you want to let everyone know what we're, what we're trying this week. And yeah. Um, so we're trying, trying Colorado native. Um, some people might call it not like really local because it's owned by, it's a subsidiary Molson Coors. So we're just going to hash it out now. We, we understand that, but we feel like we've seen this beer at every single place I go that's like a craft beer like yep. you can depend on this to be at any 7-eleven that's in Colorado um when you go in so we thought it'd be a good idea to just hash through them get them out and so that next time you're in the gas station you don't want Bud Light you don't want Coors or something like that 
this could be your kind of go-to craft brewery type of beer. Yep. Um, it is made in Golden, Colorado, so it technically is made local. It's inside the Coors factory. Um, And the coolest part, and I think the main reason why it's called Colorado Native and why it's still local is they make everything out of Colorado-made items. So that comes from the hops, from the barley, to the wheat, the malt, malt, even the water um, comes from the Colorado. So everything's Colorado-made. I mean, even on the can, it says brewed with 100% Colorado ingredients. So it felt like it was very... Um, keen to Colorado and we thought we'd just try a couple of them and then we're going to make our attempt at getting an interview with them. Um, we'll see just because it's obviously a subsidiary of a pretty massive brand. So right. we'll see what we can do there. That'd be pretty sweet though. But, and I will say too, we, we haven't actually confirmed, um, but from what I've seen on the website is not only do they sell or they make their beers with only Colorado ingredients, but they only sell in Colorado. Um, we need to confirm that. I think they may have one or two that they actually sell outside of Colorado, but the vast majority of their beers are remain in Colorado. So, yep, it's owned by Molson Coors. We get it, but we want to talk about beer that you guys can get access to. And we don't want to be talking about these niche breweries at times where you have to, you know, go at weird hours and can only get them at certain spots. So we will have our fair share of those. We are still wanting to support local and small breweries, but we figured this would be one that, especially if you're new to Colorado, new to the beer scene in Colorado, this is one you see everywhere. So this is one that is easy for you guys to drink and listen along with us while we try these. Um, and I promise you we'll get to the, the smaller, more, um, you know, Rhino local Denver breweries, but we wanted to give this one a shot just to make sure everyone had access to it pretty easily. So exactly. So, First beer we're trying is a Cerveza Nativa, mm-hmm. and uh, it says on the bitterness scale, it's basically zero. On the Colorado-ness scale, it's 100%, which is obvious, and the alcohol by volume is 4.9. Yep, and then on the can, they all this are going back to our DBC days. It says, we may not have sandy beaches, but we make up, we make up for it with mountains. And this Mexican-style lager is brewed for the altitude. Crisp and refreshing as you'd expect, but a bit more flavor. So mm-hmm. I'm anticipating it's essentially a more flavorful craft like Dos Equis. Yeah, and it also does show and puts the great sand dunes in Mosca, Colorado, which we actually need to have an episode about. We will talk about the yeah, sand dunes. Awesome one, yeah. Sand dunes down south, and we'll talk about those later. Cool. All right, let's get after it. We actually should go to Sand Dunes this summer. Ooh. That's very Mexican lagery. Hmm. Okay. What? What is I, that? I don't know. Okay. I guess I was expecting more... Like, it, it, it definitely has hints of Mexican lager. Uh-huh. But, like... I've had I've had um, a style of beer like this from a brewery in Texas, and there was no mistaking that it was a Mexican lager, and then there was a hint of like craftness. Yeah. So here's my here's my analogy that I would use is that beer was ninety percent Dos Equis, ten percent craft. Yeah. This. I would say it's probably 30% Dos Equis, 70% craft. Like they, they spun 70% of it off to where 
I don't know, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting off my first Colorado, my native, Colorado native beer, and I don't really like it. I mean, <laughs> dude, that's the thing is, and I feel easier this, saying about it? this than Molson Coors has owned it by it, but like, or that's operating this, but I'm with you, and we're, I mean, so what What do you not like? Because we're, we're not here to give fake reviews. No, I we're going to be honest. I mean, I would probably, like, I, I think I'd rather have some of the IPAs that we've had um, over this. I mean, I would. saying something. Yeah, that's saying a lot. I mean, I'd probably give this like a, a 5.6. Okay. And okay. I feel like, I mean, I, I don't like giving low ratings. I feel insulting, but. As we said, we're going to give legitimate ratings. Um, it just, it I don't even know. It tastes like a three-day-old Mexican beer. Okay. Like, I think they tried to add so much craft in it and be different that I feel like I'm drinking a three-day-old, like, Mexican beer. Fair enough. I'll, I'm going to give it a 5-1. I, um, I do like Mexican-style lagers. I do like... The Dos Equis, the Corona, I love those kind of beers. And I, when you try to do craft style of those, done well, are phenomenal beers. Um, I think this this missed the mark in my mind, and I'm I'm agree with you. I'm going to go five one. I think there are way better options. And honestly, it, it's not that much alcohol, more alcohol to where I would just literally stick with the Dos Equis or a Corona. I would drink a Corona nine times out of ten over this. 10 times out of 10. Yeah. So I agree. So that's, I mean, Colorado native. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I would say we did start out with the most funky beer that they have by doing a Mexican lager. Like we're not trying like their IPA and stuff, which craft breweries are usually like focused on. Yeah. So I'm hoping it gets better, but first beer, not a great showing. No, I agree. No, I agree. And I did want to start out with one that's more interesting and not, you know, because if you start with like a Pilsner, it's like, okay, great. But everyone has a pilsner, right? So I wanted to venture out a little bit. So I stick with stick with Dos Equis. Stick with Corona. Yep. Put, um, a, put a lime in it. Yeah. Find your beach. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, that was, I mean. Rough, is, wait, rough yeah, start. Yep. Yep. But we're going to be honest. So, okay. So let's hit let's hit the main part of our episode here. So we wanted to talk and, you know, we, we've, we've mentioned a lot of different places at Union Station and even talk about Union Station just generally. We talked about Cooper Lounge. Uh, we've talked about Terminal Bar. Yep. We talked about, you know, even outside of the standard Cooper Lounge, the like igloo thing that that uh, Carly and I did, as well as your roommate and his girlfriend did. Um, so we just felt it was kind of necessary just to give a little bit of history around Union Station because we're mentioning Union Station because it's such a cool spot now. But dude, in the early 2000s, it was like, it, it was, it was threatened. They were threatening to demolish it because it was so, it was so underutilized. It was outdated uh, and it was just in bad shape. And so they literally, in the renovation we're going to talk about, started in 2012, finished in 2014. But prior to that renovation, there was, there were, t- there was talk about actually demolishing Union Station as we know it. Yeah. And I, what I would say to add on to that is like, when people say Union Station, obviously Union Station is the main like Great Hall is what they call it. Um, it's like the terminal. But, exactly. Yeah. Where you get onto the train, where you can take the train to the airport. Um, where people, it's like sometimes people's like first perception of Denver outside of the airport. Um, so the other part about Union Station is it also is a 19.5 acre track of land that surrounds Union Station. Right. Um, and if you look back in like the early 2000s. 
it actually was like just in it just a r- old rail yard kind of like abandoned just like dirt so yep. like where all of the new buildings around the union station like back behind it if you're looking at it from like the 16th street mall side is all like brand new yeah well and that's and they like they've been selling that land or at least have they sold it or at least they've been they've been either selling or leasing that so, land to like Davida, like you, like everyone knows where Davida is. That's part of the 19 and a half acre land around Union Station that they owned and have sold to private companies. And yeah. there's others out there. So you probably know about a handful more, but yeah, I mean, there's the Union Station area is like the most desired for in the office world. Like it's the most desired office market right. in downtown, um, as well as I would say Denver. Um, I mean, it's the highest rates. I mean, Davida's there. Facebook's there. Amazon's there. Uh, I mean, it's just all the big companies, corporate companies, they like to attract their talent and they're going to yeah. go where the people want to be and the people want to be at Union Station. Right. Right. So, well, so, I go a little bit more on the history, but just to give you a little perspective of kind of where it was and where it is now. Yeah, 100%. So the more about the renovation itself. So really to understand the renovation, uh, you really have to look at it in, in a, a kind of two lenses. So the first which is actually the bigger of the the renovations was actually a five hundred million dollar renovation um, that was geared really towards if you're going to make Union Station viable and actually use, usable, you have to have infrastructure track wise, bus station wise, you have to have an infrastructure to actually make it to where you could have this beautiful building, but if it's not being used, there's no point because it's just it, at that point it just becomes a beautiful building where you just it's like a restaurant or it's like a uh, you know the source we talked about last week it just becomes a kind of like mall style so five the five hundred million dollars went into expanding the railways establishing you know a bus infrastructure and really working around the areas around the terminal but. It's not the most sexy because, again, that's not what you see and know and love when you go to Union Station. Mm-hmm. The more th- the item that I want to talk more about is the renovation that started in 2012, finished in 2014, which is a $54 million renovation yeah. to the terminal itself or the Great Hall. Yeah. I would add, though, before Matt moves on past the tracks and everything, now, basically, after this renovation, there's 20, I never, uh, this is crazy, 22 gates for bus travel. Yeah, um, which is I think crazy. That amount. is insane. That's like regional bus travel. They also have basically moved. If you ever seen the free sixteen mall bus, they moved that like out outgoing station to the Union Station. It's like out back, so it's kind of like adding a couple different things, and it comes out of there, so you can jump on the bus there. Um, and then on top of that, you have all the train systems that RTD has done. I mean, all the way out to right. the airport, all the way down to DTC. I mean, it is. When you think of Denver travel and what they did in that renovation, that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Well, dude, and that's what I was just thinking when you just mentioned it. It's like we talked about the Denver airport and the renovations that they're doing. And it's like Denver, more so than I think a lot of cities, it is so clear that infrastructure and transportation is such a high priority for the city yeah. via – DIA building that, moving that from Stapleton to where it is today and expanding it. And not only that, but then, so you have air travel taken care of. You have all this train traffic coming. You have train traffic now that can go to DIA, four planes. It's all interconnected. Mm -hmm. That's really made Denver, it's really what has kind of been a a huge pivotal part of the growth of Denver 
uh, that we're seeing is is the the investment in infrastructure, whether that's buses, trains, airplanes. This $500 million renovation is on par with the consistent approach at Denver of making sure we have some of the highest and best transportation, not only regionally, but also nationally. Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing we're missing now is that train to... To the freaking mountains? To the freaking yeah. Mountains. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm like, you have all these like $500 million projects. Like, <laughs> no, shit, no, I'll, no. I'll throw some money to that. Like, just get me get my butt up the mountains where I don't have to drive in that traffic. But No, but very good point. I completely agree. I mean, I think that was the whole parameter around the decision. So, right. let's talk about the pivotal and the centralized great hall and where they spent the 54 million yeah so the this is um what well, this is why union station looks the way it does right so um a lot that the biggest and most obvious is they added the crawford hotel right so the crawford hotel is a 121 room hotel that's on the second floor of the of union station of the terminal and so crawford hotel essentially as part of this signed a 99 year lease um, and that's probably some of the biggest because before this renovation, the, the, the roof or the second floor of the Union Station hadn't been used in like 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. It was like storage space. So the big part was actually gutting all of that, renovating it, making it to where it was a hotel. Now, they also completely changed the color scheme. So if you walk into Union Station, it's the, the theme is like white with like gold accents. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be like a brown. It, it used to be like a heavy brown gray combo. And they've completely changed the facade of the main area. And then the final was they put a ton of retail space and kind of cleaned up that center spot. So Union Station used to be what you would kind of expect, just long benches for people waiting to get into the trains, right? So they added all of the retail space and really added, uh, got rid of some of the benches. They still have some in there, but really spiced up that middle area to be not only just a place where you sit and wait, but there's coffee shops in the middle. There's places for people to work, uh, added like, you know, modern technology with like electricity and all that stuff to where you really, if you want to go work, in Union Station, you can. So mm-hmm. the the focal point of Terminal is no longer just trying to preoccupy someone what waiting for their train. It really is a true travel destination. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of cool. They, they explained, like, back when they were, like, planning it, they were picking between, like, different developers and different plans. And one of the big things, which RTD is basically the owner of Union Station. Which, right. Um, and so they decided to pick – I can't remember who the developer was, but it was – they were going to call it their living room, like Denver's living room. Yeah. And if you've ever been in Union Station, it does feel like you're in your living room. The only thing you don't really have is, I mean, I guess there are couches there. There are chairs. So you're pretty much, it kind of feels like your living room. Yeah. And if you go in there and you look around and you can get, you know, you can get your coffee when you're in your living room. You can go get a beer when you're in your living room. Yeah. You can do all those things and it's right next to you. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. Well, in, in the, in like all of... They, they not only added all that retail space, but they to give you a specific numbers, they added 22,000 square feet. Um, and all of those 22,000 square feet associated with this renovation is all independent retail and restaurant spaces. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you get the I think that's a, I think it's a perfect way of kind of helping illustrate what you're going for. Like it is a super nice area, but it's not I wouldn't call it like 
overly fancy. It's very like low key. Half people are working in there. Half, there's some people drinking, some people drinking coffee, some people playing, you know, board games. Like it's very much, um, you can kind of tell a little bit too that like it, it does serve as like the hotel lobby as well. Like mm-hmm. you have guests from out of town that go and like, that's where they hang out. And so it really is like a pretty low key, really fun, cool area and spot. Um, and it's still open during COVID too. Like we went and you know, you do have, everyone has masks on and you, they, they've gotten rid of some of the tables just to do some, you know, spacing stuff. But I mean, this is still something you guys can go date night wise, or if you just want to go, like if you want to get out of the house, cause you've been stranded at the house, you can go work at Union Station for a couple hours, get some coffee and yeah. hang out. Uh, you know, one of the cool parts I think about Union Station, you know, is they, they did all this renovation and they realized that really Union Station is the vocal point of Denver. Yeah. It has become our like pride and soul. It has become everybody's favorite part of the city. And the coolest part about it, I think, is you have like this old rustic building. Behind it, you have all these like brand new buildings and kind of the revolution and like rebuild since like 2008. Mm-hmm. And then you also have, if you go forward, outside the front doors of Union Station, all the historic buildings, which have actually yep. a height restriction on. So it really feels like you're kind of like an old Denver. Yep. And then in the back, you see all the tall 30 to 40 story buildings, which is kind of like where Denver, you can see like almost like Denver's growth. Yeah. So it's like you right. kind of always right. see, kind of see like the stages of Denver's growth, right? You got Union Station, the historic district, and then you got all the big buildings. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it's, it really is like, it, it's, it's something to be, like you said, prideful of, like it, it really, the, the coolest part for me is not only like all the added retail space and all that, but like the, the, the preservation of the historic architecture and all that stuff too. It's like, it's not some modern building that you can tell they just gutted and then redid it. It is they refurbished all of how it really originally was from a facade perspective and all that to where it really is like a cool current way to have a lot of fun, but also kind of like to your point, kind of take a step back in history and like, like Winku breweries over there that opened up in the eighties and like, it's like in this old historic building, it's like, there's, it's, it's a really cool part of the town of the city as well. So um, definitely if, if you haven't been go, and if you have been, maybe maybe all that we've just talked about right now hopefully gives you a new appreciation of Union Station and makes you look a little, you know, a little harder at like some of the little things like color scheme and like trying to imagine what a gray and tan inside color scheme of a, you know, old Union Station probably used to look like and then appreciate how beautiful and what all the renovations kind of the impact it made on the on the terminal. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I completely agree. It's, I think it's just something to remember when you went, when you go in there, just how much Denver cares about transportation, how much they care about infrastructure as well. Yeah. I mean, compared to a city like Austin, it's a completely different world. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, it's a cluster. Somebody to keep in mind, your city is actually thinking about the future and thinking about growing this city as it has. Right. Um, so right. We can keep rambling about Union Station, but um, I want you guys to go see it. I want you guys to read some more about it. It's a great place focal point of our city yeah no i agree i agree so that's the episode guys hope you enjoyed it um be be on the lookout the next couple of weeks um we should have some pretty awesome interviews for you guys so we're excited about those everyone hope you guys stay safe 
go get your butt to Union Station if you haven't already, and we will uh, see you guys next week. We out. All right. Love y'all. Peace.